Welcome to another episode of Movies That Make Us. I'm Jake. I'm Tracy. And I'm Val. And I am having a hard time with my lighting today. You can tell I'm like half in the dark and half in the light. I feel... It's very film noir. Yeah. Which is totally appropriate for our movie today. (laughs) Uh, Okay. No, it's not at all. I don't know. Oh, I forgot something. Uh Oh. All right. Should we just start right over? off the bat? I forgot something. We have two things to talk about other than our movie today. And I was going to put on this brand new sweatshirt that I got sent to me. Well, if you want to go about Wakanda it. forever, and I was going to wear it for the show to promote right. the fact that we are giving away tickets to the pre screening of Wakanda forever this Wednesday. Um, and so if you check out our social medias, uh, mainly Facebook and yep. Instagram later on today, there will be ways for you to enter to win to get two tickets to go to the movie and you'll be able to see Jake and Tracy. I'm assuming you're going. I, I'm going to be out of town. Unfortunately, I'm so Me upset. too. Yeah, oh. I, will, I will be there with bells on, but quiet bells. Cause I don't want to disturb anybody's movie. All right. So experience. Jake will be there. Jake, you can have Tracy's tickets. Cause I know it's really hard for you. Yeah. To decide what kids are going to this. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but you now have four. So Tracy will Tracy and I will not be there. We'll both be out of town. I will be seeing it tonight, aka Monday night. Um and uh very excited that we're gonna be able to get um a couple of people in to see that movie ahead of time. Yeah, that's awesome. And we're we're appreciative uh for those tickets and for that opportunity to give those away and and see some listeners. I think that'll be a lot of fun. So Wakanda like forever guaranteed tickets, right? This isn't the show yes. to the theater. Like you don't even have to wait in a, the big long line. You just walk up to the person with the clipboard. You say we won with movies that make us. They're going to give you your two tickets. they will already be assigned seats. Um, so I will cool. um, message the winners, like all the exact information um, that they need. Um, and I, we would love for you to message us back after you see the movie, um, and let us know what you thought so we can include you in our super special, um, black Panther episode that we're going to be doing at some point in some time talking about both movies. I, to get ready for the movie, um, Dave and I watched the original black Panther Mm -hmm. today and I just, I hadn't watched it in such a long time. But it was so funny because we just got home from Disneyland at like 1 a.m. We drove mm-hmm. straight through. Oh. We slept. We woke up. We showered. We laid back in bed and turned on Black <laughs> And then when it was over, we talked about it for a minute. And then he went upstairs to play video games. And I'm like, all right, well, I got to catch up on the Kardashians. That's literally like, I know everybody like hardcore like hates the Kardashians, but you both know that I have like this secret love. But yep. the fact that I watched had this like serious conversation about like Wakanda forever and uh-huh. then just went right into eating pasta and watching the Kardashians. I'm living my best life it, right now. It really does sum you up for you. I applaud this. Yeah. 
I I don't keep up with the Kardashians, uh, but I have nothing against people who do. That's fine. <laughs> Everybody's got you got. I think everybody has those shows or oh, things yeah. that you indulge in that it's like I know pleasure. I yeah, the guilty pleasures. Like yeah. I know people are going to make fun of me for this, but I also don't care. And yeah. I think that's important that everybody has I was that. a big fan of Brett Michaels' uh, Rock of Love back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was a dumpster fire of a show, oh, but you oh, couldn't look away. Was. You oh, couldn't was, look away. <laughs> and then they did Bus of Love, which was... Oh, I didn't go on to that. <laughs> I, I do remember... The only show like that, well, not I mean, that we kind of watched a little bit. My wife and I together was the Gene Simmons one. I can't remember what that oh, one yeah. was called. Oh uh, yeah, uh, uh, it was like Family, family Jewels. Jewels, yeah, Family Jewels. About yeah, stones and family. I don't know. I think it was yeah. Jewels because yeah. that sounds like Gene Simmons. Yeah, yeah. And I will say this: Gene Simmons, one hundred percent, believes he is the greatest person that's ever lived. Oh, oh yeah. Did you, totally do you remember the episode through. when they went to the Anne Frank house? No, I don't know that I saw that one, but I, that sounds like a wonderful see, mix. If you want to see like a juxtaposition to Gene oh. Simmons, there is an episode where he goes to the Anne Frank house. Okay. I'm oh. going to have to look this up now and watch it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Interesting. The other announcement <laughs> is we are only a few weeks away from our fun um, trivia night for charity, which is exciting. Yes. Yeah, yeah it's going to be uh, November 18th, uh, Friday night over at the Midway Tavern. Uh, our good friends over there um, are letting us host a trivia night. We'll be raffling up prizes and having a good time and raising money for American Cancer Society. Yep. The, the details for it are pinned to the top of our Facebook page, so you can see it there. Um, also, uh, we've created an event there, so you can follow it there as well. Um, I believe it is 21 and over at the midway. Yes. So just know and, and prepare for that. Um, and we would love to see you there. Also pinned to that same post, however, or linked in that same post is if you can't make it and we get it, not everybody's going to be able to come, but you would still like to help Tracy out with raising this money for American Cancer Society. You can do that at the link that is in that same post. So you can go there and it'll go directly uh, to the ACS Yep, but it'll count as a donation from that Tracy's raised money for. So yeah. as well as five thousand. Yeah, it's tax deductible. We're just yep. shy of four thousand. Um, let's push this over the edge if we can. We got a month and a half to do it. Um, just and and the great thing with uh, American Cancer Society, it's rated. If you look at the list of charities, um, it's listed as an A plus. Um, yep. They use the money well. They use it wisely. Um, they have very little overhead, um, and everything that you donate, none of it's going to me or to Jake or to Val. Um, anything you donate is going directly to American Cancer Society. And I think it's 88 to 90% of the funds go into cancer research and cancer transportation for people that can't, um, be at a hospital. Um, they have lodging the Hope Lodge. So, you know, if you are staying out of town, I've got a friend who lives out in Vernal who has to come up to Huntsman Cancer. So she's staying at the Hope Lodge in between her chemotherapy appointments. Um, it's a great cause. It's a great charity. So come out, have some fun. You get to meet Dave and Sammy. You get to hang with us. So we'll have some fun. 
like I feel that coming to meet Dave is worth the price of admission. <laughs> I, really. I don't want to throw that and out there Sammy. because he Friday night is a is a busy night for yes. him yeah, tattooing. So he's gonna try and make okay. it. Okay, all right. Well, but Sammy will be there. Sammy will be there. My bonus daughter Nicole, who is her best friend, will be there, and Dave's best friend Ryan will be in from um Colorado. And so because it's Dave's birthday week. So okay. I'm hoping to get Dave there, but he does have to tattoo. So we're we're hoping, um, but there will be um, a way for you to maybe win a tattoo from Dave that night, even if he's not there. So, yeah, which would be awesome. He's an incredibly talented artist. So you guys yeah, definitely got to make the money. We just went to Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, the, you know, the artist never sleeps. Yeah. So. Lots of fun stuff coming up. We are so excited about the tickets to give out. We are excited about the trivia night. Lots of fun things happening. But before we go any further, we're going to ask you to do two things. If you're watching this on YouTube, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and then like this video down below. We would really appreciate that very much. Uh, and if you're not watching on YouTube and you're listening, please make sure that you're following us on whatever podcast format that you're listening on. We always appreciate that as well. I believe the kids say smash that subscribe button. Yeah, I don't know how many of the kids actually listen to watch our show, so I think we could say click and we'll be okay. So but yeah. What's cool is is that the more we get likes and the more we get subscribers, the more tickets that we get to give away. So true. right now, we're doing okay, and we get to give away four tickets to Wakanda Forever. Not too shabby, but mm -hmm. what if we got to give away like 20 tickets to Wakanda that Forever? We yes. could, but we need more likes and more subscriptions, and then we can give away more free movie stuff, and we could probably see you at the movies more. Yeah, um, and it's going to benefit that, you. And then we'd have to change our tagline. Passes to at uh, Fan X Smile has become the number one uh, horror film of the year in terms of the box office. So, yeah, because it looks really, really creepy. I can't imagine that there's a. I, it was really creepy looking. Uh, but I'm giving Val credit for pushing it over the top. <laughs> yeah, it was it was from us pushing yeah. it over the top at FanX mm -hmm. in the Spider-Man panel <laughs> and giving away the smile toothbrushes to the little kids that came up and asked I for. still have so many of those that we will be giving out at the bar <laughs> at the charity event. Like, you'll be going home. It's like when you get a toothbrush, um, you know, for Halloween. Right. Um, I'm not. I'm not taking them back home. They they haven't been used. <laughs> they're perfectly good. Like they're, they're, they're what they're really great for is when you travel. Right. Put in your little travel bag because that's it's already in a little case and everything. See, it's perfect. But the kids at Fanex didn't want. They didn't want a toothbrush. No. Yeah. Spoiled kids. Right. Spoiled kids. <laughs> a couple of them might have been my kids. So I. That's fine. <laughs> Speaking of spoiled kids, let's jump into our movie. We are talking about The Breakfast Club today. I don't know how we've made it almost four years as a podcast and we haven't talked about The Breakfast Club. Yeah. But here we are. So, this is the thing I feel like I should have had in my former life. Um, I was a radio host. Yes. It's been almost a year now that I've been at a radio and I had somebody text me the other day. Hey, the music on the station sounds really great this morning. Thanks. And I'm like, what? <laughs> how, do, how do the, what? The I'm in Disneyland and also I don't attention. work in radio anymore. Um, 
But uh, in that former life, uh, I had another co-host other than these two wonderful co-hosts, uh, Mike Parsons, and he is a huge fan of Breakfast Club. Mm-hmm. And so many mornings went by with movie quotes and because he really is like the age of like all of the movies that came out during this time, yeah. um, you know, with the Breakfast Club and, and all of that. And so I feel like it's this is such a generational movie that pinpoints a place in time. And there aren't very many movies that do that. But John Hughes was able to grab a movie and really bring in like a whole generation. And as much as I know this is an iconic movie, it's not really one of my favorite movies, but there are a lot of things about this movie that I appreciate. So I think it's taken us this long because we aren't as iconic as the movie. So we had to like, kind of, we had to like really just kind of, I don't know, break in our show. You know what I mean? Because I feel like, the feeling of this movie is like it's broken in, right? You've really right. lived there for a minute. And I feel like we kind of had to live here for a minute before we could do it. We can't we just in the- jump in to a movie like that, like right off the bat. No. Well, one of our no, early Instead, we jumped right in with Raiders of the Lost Ark. Which Ryan. <laughs> but I think that's different because action yeah. movies do just jump right in. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, no and questions this, asked. And this movie, it is, I, I think you're right, Val. It, it is very iconic. I mean, right off the bat, you even as you, the the opening credits are rolling, it feels yeah. different than than a lot of other movies. Um, like they were going for it being iconic, and um, I think John Hughes has such a gift for really capturing the youth of this time, like the eighties. Like you said, Valley speaks to that generation a lot, and he's not. He wasn't like a teenager in the eighties. No, he was old. Uh-huh. But somehow he got it. And I think it was because, and, and this movie really highlights it, he, he saw them as people. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of the adults at this time didn't really see these kids as people. Well, like, Go ahead, Tracy. I was going to say, in the in the entertainment industry, if you had teenage movies, um, they were in horror films where they were killed because they were stupid. Um, they were having sex. They were, you know... Um, you had, um, perverts like in Porky's or something like that. Even fast times at Ridgemont high, you had a lot of that. Um, even though that was directed by a a woman named Amy Heckerling, I believe. Um, but you didn't get a lot of teenage representation of them as individuals and people. They were more like the butt of the joke or the deviance or the, you know, that type of thing. And John Hughes really brought a very humane and, introspective look at their lives yeah and i do think it was not only 80s generational but i think it's high school generational i think (laughs) he was able he was able to capture what we go through in high school and make it so that it surpassed a lot of things so whether you went to high school in the 70s 80s or 90s i feel like you could relate to this movie now 60s high school mid 2000s and right now high school there are some similarities but i feel like with the technology and with like that they have now and then the social justice movements that were happening in the 60s it really is like 70s 80s 90s that you hit that that kids were 
finally figuring out that they could figure out their own lives. Do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Because mm -hmm. I feel like in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, we all kind of, you know, you people still had to be what they thought their parents. Yeah. And then you got into the 70s and they're like, wait, we can make decisions. Wait, we can, you know, and then you're even more lost. Like what I loved about the show is that he grabbed a kid from like all of the, you know, classes. Um, right. You yeah. know, you've got the nerd, you've got the jock. You've got the really popular girl. You've got the really weird girl. And then you've got the outcast guy, right? Um, and he, so they kind of picked someone and none of those kids have it together. None right. of them, which I thought was great. And even the the pretty girl is still an awkward looking pretty girl. That And that's yeah. why I really liked it because I think we can all kind of see ourselves in it. Whereas if you watched like Heathers or something mm -hmm. like that, these girls were like this drop dead gorgeous mm -hmm. you they didn't have problems their poop didn't stink kind of thing but you get into you get into this movie sorry it's it's a song yeah, um, totally. by outcast <laughs> um but you get into this movie and they all look like a certain thing from the outside and as you're getting into the movie you realize they're all a mess high school right can suck for everyone i i would not go back to high school for a million dollars i would <laughs> like i'd go back and relive the college days but i would not go back and do high school <laughs> yeah i high school is a really hard time and i think it's a hard time for a lot of people um i i agree i i think that's when we're discovering who we are a little bit mm -hmm. and that's hard and i think that it was interesting because they mentioned like nobody gets along with their parents. Somebody says that at one point, and I can't remember which one of the characters says it, but basically nobody gets along with their parents. And I thought, yeah, in high school, that is really when you start butting uh -huh. heads with your parents a lot because they have this expectation and then you are kind of figuring out that's not what I really want to be or what I want to do. And um, I know that's when I struggled the most with my parents. Um, so I, I think there's some universality where I, I agree, Val, there's a lot of different challenges and a lot of different things with the generation today and, and the generation in the 2000s and things like that. But I still think that there are some universal things. Like, I hear peers of mine talk about kids today, and it sounds just like I remember my parents <laughs> talking about kids. Kids today are, uh, you know, and it's like, get off my lawn kind of stuff. Well, and I, I think. I that that's mentioned in the movie where he's talking to the janitor and the janitor and, and the principal's complaining about how the kids don't respect and they don't understand. And the janitor is like, the kids are the same as they've always been. It's yes. different. I loved it when he said that because I'm a big believer in that. I get so, and this is, I'm going to get on a soapbox for a little bit for a minute Please. here, but, but this is one of my least favorite things that people will say over and over again is back in the good old days. And, and they talk about how much better things were when they were growing up and how much better things were when they were in high school and things like that. No, it's the same problems and the same issues. And, and largely it's, it's a lot of the same kids are, are just the same. And I love when the janitor said that, because I think that's the same today. I look at my kids and we have conversations and I realize they're going through a lot of the same struggles that I did. It doesn't really change. Yeah. And I think if we can understand that and have a little bit of empathy, it's easier to connect with those younger generations. I, I remember baby boomer boomers hated me because I was a millennial. Millennials yeah. suck. 
And they still, you still hear baby boomers refer to anybody who's younger as a millennial. And it's like, no, listen, now we're into Gen Z and, you know, we're not the millennials anymore. But like, I heard that so much growing up that millennials were just the worst because they had technology and they had this. It's like, listen, we're going to rule the world someday. You got to like, give us a chance to do it. You know? Yeah. And and it's funny because the baby boomers hated Gen X before they hated the millennials. So it's all the boomers fault. (laughs) Yeah. But the Gen Xers, man, they figured out a way to just kind of fly under the radar, just get ignored. But part of that was they had a lot of practice because their parents ignored them most of their lives. Here's your key. You're five years old. Exactly. Go to school. See you. My parents, my parents would like on Saturday go and go like shopping and do errands all day and just leave us kids at home all day. And that's just how it was. Yeah. You know, so, but I really liked what you mentioned, Jake, about you trying to like connect and empathize with your kids. And I think, I think we as adults, we forget how hard that time in people's lives can be now that we're older and we go, well, you don't have a mortgage and you don't have car insurance and you don't have to go to work every day and you don't have a boss that's telling you what to do. And it's like, well, they kind of have their own struggles. You know, they have Mm -hmm. the teacher, they have the bully, they've got things that they're working through the peer pressure um, and all those things. And so it is, I think as we get older, we forget how hard that is. And so then we go, you guys have it so easy. Even though when we were that age, we were going, man, this is the worst, hardest time in our lives. So I like the fact that you recognize that and try and empathize with your kids in that way. Yeah. I'm not good at it, but I at least, you know. you at least try. <laughs> well, no, you're great at it. I'm sure. It, um, I love, there are a few like shots in the movie that you, I feel like if you remember your high school, you can smell these shots <laughs> when they're all sitting in the library and they're pulling out their lunches i feel like i can smell my library and then i can smell whatever sandwich i pulled out of my bag that day you know like i remember how every school that i went to smelled but my high school had a very specific smell because halfway through my high school years at taylorsville everything was carpeted and then they finally like decided to pull up the carpet because gross and mm-hmm. put down like linoleum or whatever, but there were like distinct. Do you guys remember what your library smelled mm-hmm. like? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah it does have a very distinct smell. When you mentioned the kids pulling their their lunches out, there was always that one kid who had a tuna fish sandwich who did not have it in the refrigerator, and it just had sat there all day, and then brings it out, and you're like, wow, you know, roll yeah. the dice on that one. <laughs> I, I love the lunch scene because they do each pull out very different lunches that go along with their character in a lot of ways. You know, she pulls out the sushi, which everybody's like, I don't know that that's as big a deal now because no. I think sushi is much more common than it but was back in the then. 80s. Like, yeah, that was exotic. That was. Yeah. yeah. And I love I love the athlete. So Andrew's lunch, he pulls out, you know, sandwich after sandwich after sandwich. And, you know, because he's got a carb load because he's right. got to be, you know, that thoroughbred horse that he compares himself to. And, you know, then Brian pulls out his and Allison pulls out hers and she's pouring sugar all over her sandwich. She's just making this weird because she's a weirdo in the best possible. Like, she's a great individual as they get to know her. But right. But what I love about that scene, too, is the subtlety that they don't really draw attention to it and call it out specifically 
but Bender doesn't have a lunch. Yeah. He doesn't have anything to eat. And they show that by him going to everybody's lunch and commenting on everybody's lunch, but he doesn't sit down and eat his own. And it's that same kind of like the way they build his character in particular, like to really get to the different levels and layers that he has is really interesting to me. And they do it with all of them, but I think he he's kind of the main yeah. guy, you know. He mm-hmm. gets the hero shot at the end, even though he's the quote-unquote criminal. <laughs> so it's interesting because this is we, – we've talked before in different episodes about how some movies are quintessentially the time frame that they came from. And this really sums up the 80s in so many ways. And I don't know – You'd have to do a fair amount of, of work to, to be able to do this movie nowadays. There are certain things that just won't yeah. fly. Having the word fag written on the on the locker, um, yeah. you know, and, and marijuana is not a big deal to kids anymore. So, yeah, you know, when he pulled out, he's like, he's got marijuana. I'm like, well, depending on what state he's in, that's really yeah i still don't think you're supposed to have it at school (laughs) no you're not but it's not but back the way he reacted this was still the war on drugs just say no kind of era and that's changed a lot yeah yeah but i agree i I still we are not in any way encouraging kids to smoke marijuana at school just so that we're clear (laughs) but we're not really encouraging kids to do anything this is it's exactly for your parents yeah yeah um, but there's a really there's a really interesting article. So if your parents um, want to smoke marijuana at school, that's fine. I'm not here to judge. Um, but there's a really interesting article that was written in the New Yorker uh, a few years back by Molly Ringwald, and she talks about how she watched this movie with her daughter, um, and she said it's weird because some there's some pr- problematic moments in the movie. Um, that she even felt back then, but didn't feel like she could do anything about it. The whole scene with the underwear, mm-hmm. um, they couldn't film her because she was underage. So then they had to go find a female that could be her body double. And she and her mom both complained about that scene and it stayed in the film. Um, there was another scene that was written that didn't get shot um, because of objections from Molly and her mother in that the principal, while he's going around the school, um, sees an attractive teacher strip off her clothes and go swimming naked in the pool. And he watches her. And they were like, we don't think this should be there. That and so wouldn't have actually happened anyway. No. <laughs> like, what? Where are we? That, that Are we in Spain? Maybe. Like, if we were like, you know. So they, they took that scene and then added it to National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. There you go. That's, that's, and, and, and he had a start in National Lampoon. So that kind yeah. of, you know, makes sense. But so it's interesting because she talks about how she doesn't want to censor things. She doesn't want things canceled. She doesn't want, people to not watch the film, but she's like, it's interesting to see. And she said, um, she talked to one of the um, people that knew um, the director real well. Sorry, I'm having a John, John Hughes, Hughes brain cramp um, really well. And and he said, well, it was kind of the cocaine, cocaine binge days, but he always was sensitive about it. And she's like, no, I don't know if he did cocaine. He never brought it up. He didn't do, he didn't even drink that I know of, but, but she was like, it's hard to reconcile that it was a different time in a different era and still not excusing the bad behavior. 
So it, it's hard because I think there's a certain amount you want to depict the kids as authentic, totally. right? And I think that in the 80s, I think even today in high schools, kids say the kind of stuff that they say, that they said in this movie, and they do the kind of things that they do. And yeah. it's not because it's how you want the kids to behave, but you're wanting to to, to depict that authentically. Yeah. And that's a, a, fine, that's line a fine line to try to walk. And I think there's a lot when when they're talking to her about being a tease and everything and the way that they talk to her and Allison about that kind of stuff. Like that was hard for me to watch. It's like now having daughters that are entering that kind of age, it was cringy. Mm -hmm. And I think it, I think that that's very common in the conversations that I heard in high school, you know, and Uh I mean, that was like, I can't tell you how many times I went on, a date with a boy in high school that literally was just we're going out to get ice cream or sodas and like going to the movies or whatever just very kid friendly things and it's like well you smiled at me or why yeah you laugh mm-hmm. at my jokes doesn't that mm-hmm. mean like no it absolutely doesn't but we in that time frame it was our fault if we were right. too nice, mm-hmm. then we were a tease. And if we weren't nice enough, then we were a witch yeah. and a prude, a witch, a tease. Like we're, we could not win. It was awful. Like it almost made me not in high school, like not, I didn't know what to do. I literally would walk down the hall and not look at anyone because I didn't want to get in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. With the girls or the guys, because right. the guys would make us feel like us girls make us feel like that was what we were doing. So then the other girls would get angry at us for smiling or laughing or whatever at a guy they liked. And now, you know what I mean? So it was just such a weird time. So like rewatching those scenes, like just took me back to, you know, well, how come you you know, didn't have a lot of friends in high school because I was scared of everyone. <laughs> like, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it's you yeah. can't win as a woman. It was our fault. Yeah, yeah, and I like that they mentioned that in the film too. You know, yeah, you're yeah. either a slut or you're a tease, and that's yep. those are the two realms that you live in, and that's it. That's horrible. Yeah, and and honestly, I don't. I mean, guys don't go through that period it's just no you guys can be a tease all day long you can be a womanizer and it just makes you more Mm -hmm. of a man more eligible more whatever i mean this is a whole different conversation but you know the movies that came out of the 80s are movies that totally fueled the the this behavior like wall street the movie Uh wall street Uh you know that movie Mm -hmm. was such a fuel to the fire um of this behavior but this but it was very cool that they touched on that in this movie. And the other thing I really appreciated is how vulnerable that he made all of the characters, um, you know, especially like the jock, because the jocks have to walk around the school all cool and they have to have their crap together and, you know, all of this stuff. And when he gets into like how his dad treats him and that he has to be yeah. good all the time, he has to win all the time. You know, it's like you just don't know what's going on at home with someone. Yeah. And and to your point, Val, a lot of these 80s movies were directed by men. 
who had grown up in this kind of environment. And so John Hughes is kind of a, an outlier in that he was able in some ways to recognize that and to shine a light on that and give sympathy to that. Because like I said earlier, uh, in the eighties, the teens weren't seen and they were, they were seen as archetypes and stereotypes instead of actual yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. I, and it's interesting because I think as you watch it, I, you really start to see bits and pieces of your own experience in each of them. Like that you come out and it's not like, okay, I feel like I'm the brain or I'm the princess or whatever. It's more of, yeah, I've had that struggle with, with family or I've had that struggle in school or I, and uh, I think that that's kind of, you know, I love the the essay that he writes where he says in each of us is uh-huh. a brain, a princess, a, an athlete. Um because we're not just one thing. Like you said, Tracy, we're not that just archetype stereotype. We are, there's depths and layers to everybody. And I love that they show that. I mean, when he, when Brian is talking about why he was there because they found a gun in his locker. Yeah. Like, and you could just feel like the whole tone of the movie in that minute just drops to that level of like, okay, this is serious stuff all because he couldn't get a light to work that he built in shop. And I was like, man, and it, and you just feel for him and it's just so real and raw. And they do that in, multiple times in the movie. I think it's really impressive. And I don't well, think back then, like when I first watched this movie, when I was younger, I don't think I quite understood what a big deal that gun was like bringing mm-hmm. gun to school. I was like, well, what? Cause there wasn't school shootings. Right. There wasn't like if there were, you barely heard about them. Right. Right. And then when I watched it again in high school, when I went to judge and I dealt with a similar situation, I was like, all right. And then when I watched it again, when Sammy, cause I feel like I watched this movie like every like eight years or something like that. But when I watched it again, when Sammy was in high school, because we were kind of going through, Oh, have you seen pretty in pink? And have you seen, you know, this and that and the gun at the school, you know, it hit me. Oh my gosh. Like what if that would have been in a movie that came out in the two thousands, you know, yeah. like the early two yeah. thousands, That's a whole different feel to it because there were school shootings. It seemed like every month for like three years somewhere there was a school shooting. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and uh, you know, when the, when the kid says his first thought was you're going to kill yourself that's not the first thing the kids would think now if they found a gun in a locker. No. No. And and the I think too that the suicide part of it too where she talks about, you know, killing yourself isn't the answer. That hits a lot closer to home now too because mm-hmm. like I remember that being talked about in school like oh somebody had a cousin who had a friend who went to this one school where something like that happened. But now it happens on such a regular basis that kids are yeah. taking their lives because of different things that are happening in school and pressures that they're feeling. Yeah, like, when my tragic. daughter was in high school, Harriman High School, which was kind of their rival. Um, they had more suicides there in the nation that year. Yeah, I was going to um, say Utah and, leads the nation for teens. Well, suicide. in Harriman High School, like they specifically no, had to get a new principal that knew how to deal with that. Sammy now is um, the coach over there for their um, poet slam poetry. She um, asked to move over there, and um, but I just remember, you know, 
kids. Like my kids in high school right now, she knows these kids. I know kids that go to this school. Like mm -hmm. what is happening? Like why, why aren't we listening to our kids, you know? But like this show, I think, hit on a lot of things that that were under like the surface but uh -huh. during that time none nobody talked about these things right we didn't talk about mental health if somebody mm -hmm. it somebody found out that you had a mental health issue and you were in elementary junior high or high school you got moved to a remedial class because they mm -hmm. thought it was a, mm -hmm. like a remedial issue not that you could be super smart and also have like people just did not understand mental health issues add anything like that like you were immediately deemed like a problem child you had learning problems like you were you know that and that's on your record forever like you can't yeah. shake it that's that's in there and i think what this movie did is it kind of showed these characters that who you are in high school or who you are in school is kind of who you are forever in a lot of people's minds and we didn't even know who this guy was who was you know had a criminal record he was the problem child but he seemed to have more insights on life than every <laughs> of these other kids that was considered more important than him right yeah well and i it's interesting because this movie is 37 years old i think almost 40 wow <laughs> and you know it was breaking ground at that point talking about these kind of issues and i'm it like was. why are we still struggling talking about these issues almost 40 years later like why because i think that there are still a lot of these problems and there are still mm -hmm. a lot of struggles and um things that happen in schools where we approach it i don't know it's i just don't understand if we're talking about it in the 80s why are we still talking about it and it's worse now 40 well, years I th later I, I think a lot of the problem jake is the is the technology's amplified it yeah um now with so many different ways of social media and cyberbullying and like, I can't even imagine, I don't have kids of my own, but I can't imagine some of the stuff that your kids must have to deal with because there was no social media back when we were going through school. I can't imagine how difficult that is now with that. Yeah. And, and you gotta be so careful with that kind of stuff and monitoring it with the kids. And I don't know, it's tough. Yeah. It's tough. A lot of iconic kind of um, outfits came out of this movie. I feel mm -hmm. like all the clothes have been recycled again because I see these clothes being worn again and again. I believe when I was in high school, they had recycled around to my generation. <laughs> we were wearing, you know, the tie it around your waist with the sweatshirt, with the uh -huh. rolled up jeans, with the, and now I, it's everywhere again, which I'm not going to complain because I actually dig that vibe, which is totally fine. Yeah. Letterman's jackets have always been a thing. Um, uh -huh. But also like the soundtrack to this movie oh. is probably one of the most played soundtracks of movies. Mm -hmm. and, and the thing I love with John Hughes films, and we talked, we talked about this a little bit with Ferris Bueller's day off is that he is so good at picking the right song for for the moment and the and it's not just a catchy tune like the lyrics are talking about what is going on with these characters lives i i can't remember the the song that plays in the middle but like i had the subtitles on and i was reading along and i'm like yeah these lyrics really do match what's what these kids are going through right now 
Well, and, and it starts with and ends with the, you know, don't you forget about me. And that's really what it's about. Like they felt forgotten. forgotten. Yeah. That's part of the Gen X. Neglected. Yeah. Um, and the principle is so. <laughs> you got to feel for principles, man. Ron Hughes principles. They, they don't do. Yeah. Well. Yeah. They're, they're a, a different breed for sure. But I love it. You play with the bull. You get the horns. I gotta That's say, I've only ever had like such supportive principals. Yeah. At like all the schools I've ever been at, I don't know if it's a Utah thing or what, but like I've never had a principal like that. No, I've never. I never did either. I know people do, but I never did. Yeah, I, I, I didn't either. I always just thought that is a, an exaggeration at best of like what the worst thing a principal could be in, in a lot of these John Hughes films when you have yeah. that, uh, you need that authority figure who's just overly authoritative. Um, <laughs> but this guy, I mean, when he gets, when he gets Bender alone and locks him in that closet and he's like, yeah, just give me, you know, punch, give me a reason, you know? And I I'm like, Holy cow. Like I, I can't imagine a principal or an administrator doing something like that in school, but I think it like happened. In the 50s, 60s, and 70s, before you could sue, yeah. you know, teachers and principals, I oh, think there probably were end. some people out there like that, you know, you got on somebody's probably, bad side. Yeah, that's probably John Hughes experienced something like yeah. that when he was growing yeah. up, and so therefore it became in this movie. Yeah. Now, I do remember, usually in every school that I was in, there was always a rumor or a story about one of the teachers had done something like that, but it was always like three or four people removed from the situation <laughs> happened 10 years now. ago. And you're like, I don't, you know, looking back, I'm like, I don't know that any of those were true. Cause it was like at every school. Yeah. Did you hear about Mr. Wilson? Yeah, man. He beat a kid up a couple years ago. Oh, really? Yeah, it was like my brother's friend's brother. I think that uncle. probably the teachers and principals like would start those rumors themselves just to like, so they can so get a little respect, they get the respect <laughs> that they need. Yeah. Yeah. They did a whisper campaign. I, no, I've seen that? I've seen some teachers not be appropriate um, physically and or verbally, but never a principal. I've never had in yeah. my situation like a principal. I've seen principals that have just been like, "Are you even paying attention to what's going on in your school?" Like they're just so removed, uh -huh. and the assistant pr principals doing everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um yeah i don't know but yeah i was i love that like the principal from back to the future just cracks me up so yeah. <laughs> i'll bring it up since we didn't really ever talk about that movie we should someday actually it's go totally, back and talk we should about do a back trilogy on that one yeah yeah uh i well and he was the same you know when he when he got promoted in the, in the navy and was running a, a aircraft carrier <laughs> he was the same guy basically the same character like I just true. played the same character everywhere. It was awesome. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I will say I, I, I think anything like that, teachers that have been inappropriate or things like that, it's so rare. I, I know so many teachers that do such a good job, and I just mm -hmm. hope they understand how much. We well, I think anymore they just can't get away with anything. But I think there was a time no. and a period. In yeah, where they can't get. And I, teachers today can't get away with anything, and they are so regulated and controlled. It 
gets kind of ridiculous to be I honest. I feel bad for for like parent teacher conferences for teachers. <laughs> I do too. Oh. Yeah. I do too. Yeah. Wait, Not my, my kids? kid. My kid's an angel. Your kid's a dick. <laughs> all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. We, yeah. One of our kids' schools, they didn't even do parent teacher conferences this year. So we're like, oh, okay. We're just not even going to beat and talk about how things are going. So hopefully they're going well. Our kids say they're going well. So, <laughs> but <laughs> anyway. All right. So what, what are we going to grade this movie? Val? Hey. Oh, Val, we're going to start with you. Um, this movie is a solid B for me. I think it hits on a lot of things that didn't, that were not hit at the time. It also created a movie that during this time period there, it kind of opened up a door for a bunch of other movies like this to be made, which I think um, was really cool. The soundtrack's amazing. The characters are very well thought out. Um, and I think it's things that we just didn't talk about. So I think that it's, it definitely aged fine for me. I mean, there are, like you said, some things in the movie that you're like, oh, that wouldn't be in a movie now. And I'm like, but maybe it should so maybe that we'll talk about why it shouldn't be in a movie. You know what I mean? Like these, these, we can't hide everything that makes us feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think solid B for me. Tracy. Uh, I'm going to go with a, with a B as well, Val. I think, uh, like I said earlier, this is kind of a snapshot of the eighties. Um, it still holds up well, though, and I think that a lot of that is because of the writing of John Hughes. Um, it, and it's hard because this is a pretty much a one location shoot, you know, set in this high school and mostly in this library. So it lives or dies from the dialogue and the dialogue is well written and, and well acted. Um, yeah, it, it's uh, it's it's good. I don't know that I'm going to be honest. This, I had seen clips from this movie. I had never seen this all the way through. Um, I knew the story, I knew the things, but I had never like sat down and watched it. Cause when this came out, I was 11, I was too young. And then there was a whole uh, pushback on Molly Ringwald and all the kids called her Molly Ringworm. And I was just like, yeah, I'm not interested. I don't want to see it. And so I never got into the film growing up and I, I should have, cause this is kind of my era. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'm going to go with a, with a B on this one. This, this has got to be a little bit older than your era. A little bit, but not a whole yeah. lot, because okay. I, I was born in 75. I was in high school in 91, 92, 93. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. So I was 11 when this came out. So I didn't, this wasn't on my radar, but then when I got older there, like I said, there was a lot of pushback on Molly Ringwald and, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. So we found ways to be cruel even before the internet. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, the internet so, did not invent cruelty. No, just just makes it easier to see, unfortunately. Exactly. So, um, I I think it's a B plus for me. I it's a really good movie. It, it is, I think, the one of the quintessential movies of the '80s, and I think it earns that spot for sure. Mm -hmm. And I think it's definitely one that when you want to talk about cinema, uh, and especially this genre of cinema during that time, you have to talk about this movie. However, it definitely is too old for me. It's not my generation. Um, it still speaks to me on a lot of levels. And I remember being in high school, but it doesn't. I think someone who, who was at this age when this movie came out, oh, this is going to be their a jam, revelation. Right. Yeah. So, and I, I think it earns that very well. So B plus for sure. Uh, um, one of, 
I know we, my wife looked up a list of John Hughes movies and this was like ranked at the top of every list of like the best John Hughes movie of all time. And I think it earns that in a lot of ways. But. Yeah. One thing we didn't mention, um, this was actually picked to be part of the library of Congress. Um, oh, wow. so it is, which is a big, big deal. Um, it was made for a million dollars. It made 50 at the box office. Um, I do remember in the, I want to say the early two thousands MTV had like a 20 year reunion special and yellow card came out and played, uh, don't you forget about me. And I was like, all right, I like this song, you know, cause that was the nineties were kind of, I, I grew up in like the cartoons of the eighties, but high school me was the nineties, but yeah, it's in the national film registry um, in mm -hmm. the library of Congress, which is cool. Yeah. So it's, it's a great movie. If you've never seen it, it's definitely worth checking out um, and, and watching for sure. So, all right. A few reminders here at the end of the episode. If you've made it this long, first of all, thank you for being here at the end of the episode, but we will be giving away tickets. You'll definitely want to check uh, our Facebook and Instagram to learn more details about how you can get tickets to see Black Panther Wakanda forever this Wednesday. Uh, also, on the 18th of November, we will be at the Midway. We will have a Disney trivia night. We will be raising money to fight cancer. Please come and support us if you can. If you can't, the link to support is on our Facebook page and you can support there. And lastly, if you have not liked this video, please do so now. And subscribe to our youtube channel or follow us wherever you listen to podcasts Whew, i think that's everything <laughs> thank you so much for listening and until next time we won't see you at the movies unless we do on wednesday don't you forget about me don't 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 <laughs>